part nine mademoiselle de scuderi section five weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part nine mademoiselle de scuderi a tale from the times of louis the fourteenth section five several months had passed when as chance would have it de scuderi was driving over the pont neuf in the duchess de montansier's glass coach the invention of this elegant class of vehicles was still so recent that a throng of the curious always gathered round it when one appeared in the streets and so there was on the present occasion a gaping crowd round de montansier's coach on the pont neuf so great as almost to hinder the horses from getting on all at once de scuderi heard a continuous fire of abuse and cursing and perceived a man making his way through the thick of the crowd by the help of his fists and by punching people in the ribs and when he came nearer she saw that his piercing eyes were riveted upon her his face was pale as death and distorted by pain and he kept his eyes riveted upon her all the time he was energetically working his way onwards with his fists and elbows until he reached the door pulling it open with impetuous violence he threw a strip of paper into durscuderi's lap and again dealing out and receiving blows and punches disappeared as he had come martiniere who was accompanying her mistress uttered a scream of terror when she saw the man appear at the coach door and fell back upon the cushions in a swoon de scuderi vainly pulled the cord and called out to the driver he as if impelled by the foul fiend whipped up his horses so that they foamed at the mouth and tossed their heads and kicked and plunged and finally thundered over the bridge at a sharp trot de scuderi emptied her smelling-bottle over the insensible woman who at length opened her eyes trembling and shaking she clung convulsively to her mistress her face pale with anxiety and terror as she gasped out for the love of the virgin what did that terrible man want oh yes it was he it was he the very same who brought you the casket that awful night mademoiselle pacified the poor woman assuring her that not the least mischief had been done and that the main thing to do just then was to see what the strip of paper contained she unfolded it and found these words i am being plunged into the pit of destruction by an evil destiny which you may avert i implore you as the son does the mother whom he cannot leave and with the warmest affection of a loving child send the necklace and bracelets which you received from me to master rene cardillac any pretext will do to get some improvement made or to get something altered your welfare your life depend upon it if you have not done so by the day after to-morrow i will force my way into your dwelling and kill myself before your eyes well now it is at any rate certain said durscuderi when she had read it that this mysterious man even if he does really belong to the notorious band of thieves and robbers yet has no evil designs against me if he had succeeded in speaking to me that night who knows whether i should not have learnt of some singular event or some mysterious complication of things respecting which i now try in vain to form even the remotest guess but let the matter now take what shape it may i shall certainly do what this note urgently requests me to do 
if for no other reason than to get rid of these ill-starred jewels which i always fancy are a talisman of the foul fiend himself and i warrant cardillac true to his rooted habit won't let it pass out of his hands again so easily the very next day de scuderi intended to go and take the jewellery to the goldsmiths but somehow it seemed as if all the wits and intellects of entire paris had conspired together to overwhelm mademoiselle just on this particular morning with their verses and plays and anecdotes no sooner had la chapelle finished reading a tragedy and had slyly remarked with some degree of confident assurance that he should now certainly beat racine than the latter poet himself came in and routed him with a pathetic speech of a certain king until boileau appeared to set off the rockets of his wit into this black sky of tragedy in order that he might not be talked to death on the subject of the colonnade of the louvre for he had been penned up in it by dr perrault the architect it was high noon Driscuderi had to go to the duchess de montoncier's and so the visit to master rene cardiox was put off until the next day mademoiselle however was tormented by a most extraordinary feeling of uneasiness the young man's figure was constantly before her eyes and deep down in her memory there was stirring a dim recollection that she had seen his face and features somewhere before her sleep which was of the lightest was disturbed by troublesome dreams she fancied she had acted frivolously and even criminally in having delayed to grasp the hand which the unhappy wretch who was sinking into the abyss of ruin was stretching up towards her nay she was even haunted by the thought that she had had it in her power to prevent a fatal event from taking place or an enormous crime from being committed so as soon as the morning was fully come she had martiniere finish her toilette and drove to the goldsmith taking the jewel casket with her the people were pouring into the rue niquet's to the house where cardillac lived and were gathering about his door shouting screaming and creating a wild tumult of noise and they were with difficulty prevented by the marais-chaussee who had drawn a cordon round the house from forcing their way in angry voices were crying in a wild confused hubbub tear him to pieces pound him to dust the accursed murderer at length de grey appeared on the scene with a strong body of police who formed a passage through the heart of the crowd the house-door flew open and a man stepped out loaded with chains and he was dragged away amidst the most horrible imprecations of the furious mob at the moment that Derscuderi, who was half swooning from fright and her apprehensions that something terrible had happened was witness of this scene a shrill piercing scream of distress rang upon her ears go on go on right forward she cried to her coachman almost distracted scattering the dense mass of people by a quick clever turn of his horses he pulled up immediately in front of cardillac's door there Derscuderi observed de grey and at his feet a young girl as beautiful as the day with dishevelled hair only half dressed and her countenance stamped with desperate anxiety and wild with despair she was clasping his knees and crying in a tone of the most terrible the most heart-rending anguish oh he is innocent he is innocent in vain were de grey's efforts as well as those of his men to make her leave hold and to raise her up from the floor 
at last a strong brutal fellow laid his coarse rough hands upon the poor girl and dragged her away from de grey by main force but awkwardly stumbling let her drop so that she rolled down the stone steps and lay in the street without uttering a single sound more she appeared to be dead mademoiselle could no longer contain herself for god's sake what has happened what's all this about she cried as she quickly opened the door of her coach and stepped out the crowd respectfully made way for the estimable lady she on perceiving that two or three compassionate women had raised up the girl and set her on the steps where they were rubbing her forehead with aromatic waters approached de grey and repeated her question with vehemence a horrible thing has happened said de grey renee cardiac was found this morning murdered stabbed to the heart with a dagger his journeyman olivier brusson is the murderer that was he who was just led away to prison and the girl exclaimed mademoiselle is madelon cardiac's daughter broke in de grey yon abandoned wretch is her lover and she's screaming and crying and protesting that olivier is innocent quite innocent but the real truth is she is cognizant of the deed and i must have her also taken to the prison saying which de grey cast a glance of such spiteful malicious triumph upon the girl that der scuderi trembled madelon was just beginning to breathe again but she still lay with her eyes closed incapable of either sound or motion and they did not know what to do whether to take her into the house or to stay with her longer until she came round again mademoiselle's eyes filled with tears and she was greatly agitated as she looked upon the innocent angel de grey and his myrmidons made her shudder downstairs came a heavy rumbling noise they were bringing down cardiac's corpse quickly making up her mind de scuderi said loudly i will take the girl with me you may attend to everything else de grey a muttered wave of applause swept through the crowd they lifted up the girl whilst everybody crowded round and hundreds of arms were proffered to assist them like one floating in the air the young girl was carried to the coach and placed within it blessings being showered from the lips of all upon the noble lady who had come to snatch innocence from the scaffold the efforts of Serron, the most celebrated physician in paris to bring madelon back to herself were at length crowned with success for she had lain for hours in a dead swoon utterly unconscious what the physician began was completed by de scuderi who strove to excite the mild rays of hope in the girl's soul till at length relief came to her in the form of a violent fit of tears and sobbing she managed to relate all that had happened although from time to time her heart-rending grief got the upper hand and her voice was choked with convulsive sobs about midnight she had been awakened by a light tap at her chamber door and heard olivier's voice imploring her to get up at once as her father was dying though almost stunned with dismay she started up and opened the door and saw olivier with a light in his hand pale and dreadfully agitated and dripping with perspiration he led the way into her father's workshop with an unsteady gait and she followed him there lay her father with fixed staring eyes his throat rattling in the agonies of death with a loud wail she threw herself upon him and then first noticed his bloody shirt olivier softly drew her away and set to work to wash a wound in her father's left breast with a traumatic balsam and to bind it up during this operation her father's senses came back to him 
his throat ceased to rattle and he bent first upon her and then upon olivier a glance full of feeling took her hand and placed it in olivier's fervently pressing them together she and olivier both fell upon their knees beside her father's bed he raised himself up with a cry of agony but at once sank back again and in a deep sigh breathed his last then they both gave way to their grief and sorrow and wept aloud olivier related how during a walk on which he had been commanded by his master to attend him the latter had been murdered in his presence and how through the greatest exertions he had carried the heavy man home whom he did not believe to have been fatally wounded when morning dawned the people of the house who had heard the lumbering noises and the loud weeping and lamenting during the night came up and found them still kneeling in helpless trouble by her father's corpse an alarm was raised the mares chaussee made their way into the house and dragged off olivier to prison as the murderer of his master madelon added the most touching description of her beloved olivier's goodness and steady industry and faithfulness he had honoured his master highly as though he had been his own father and the latter had fully reciprocated this affection and had chosen brusson in spite of his poverty to be his son-in-law since his skill was equal to his faithfulness and the nobleness of his character all this the girl related with deep true heartfelt emotion and she concluded by saying that if olivier had thrust his dagger into her father's breast in her own presence she should take it for some illusion caused by satan rather than believe that olivier could be capable of such a horrible wicked crime de scuderi most deeply moved by madelon's unutterable sufferings and quite ready to regard poor olivier as innocent instituted inquiries and she found that all madelon had said about the intimate terms on which master and journeyman had lived was fully confirmed the people in the same house as well as the neighbours unanimously agreed in commending olivier as a pattern of goodness morality faithfulness and industry nobody knew anything evil about him and yet when mention was made of his heinous deed they all shrugged their shoulders and thought there was something passing comprehension in it olivier on being arraigned before the chamber ardent denied the deed imputed to him as mademoiselle learned with the most steadfast firmness and with honest sincerity maintaining that his master had been attacked in the street in his presence and stabbed that then as there were still signs of life in him he had himself carried him home where cardillac had soon afterwards expired and all this too harmonized with madelon's account again and again and again de scuderi had the minutest details of the terrible event repeated to her she inquired minutely whether there had ever been a quarrel between master and journeyman whether olivier was perhaps not subject occasionally to those hasty fits of passion which often attack even the most good-natured of men like a blind madness impelling the commission of deeds which appeared to be done quite independent of voluntary action but in proportion as madelon spoke with increasing heartfelt warmth of the quiet domestic happiness in which the three had lived united by the closest ties of affection every shadow of suspicion against poor olivier now being tried for his life vanished away scrupulously weighing every point and starting with the assumption that olivier in spite of all the things which spoke so loudly for his innocence was nevertheless cardillac's murderer 
your scuderi did not find any motive within the bounds of possibility for the hideous deed for from every point of view it would necessarily destroy his happiness he is poor but clever he has succeeded in gaining the good will of the most renowned master of his trade he loves his master's daughter his master looks upon his love with a favourable eye happiness and prosperity seem likely to be his lot through life but now suppose that provoked in some way that god alone may know olivier had been so overmastered by anger as to make a murderous attempt upon his benefactor his father what diabolical hypocrisy he must have practised to have behaved after the deed in the way in which he really did behave firmly convinced of olivier's innocence mademoiselle made up her mind to save the unhappy young man at no matter what cost before appealing however to the king's mercy it seemed to her that the most advisable step to take would be to call upon la Reynie and direct his attention to all the circumstances that could not fail to speak for olivier's innocence and so perhaps awaken in the president's mind a feeling of interest favourable to the accused which might then communicate itself to the judges with beneficial results end of part nine section five recording by expatriate in bangor maine